Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking movies, TV, comics, and more. Join in the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host. He is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find all our links and so much more at OchoDuroParleyHour.com. Join in on Facebook. Join in on Twitter. Join in on Instagram. Join in on Podchaser. Drop a five-star review while you're there. Apple Podcasts, too. And always remember, use the hashtag ODPH. Let us kick off this episode with late-breaking news as we record. Surprising news. Surprising news, but something that we've been kind of talking about over the years of the ODPH. Mm -hmm. So, Pad, you're the one who broke the news to me. Why don't you break it to our audience? Yeah, so I got done with my workout at the gym this morning, uh, staying masked up and safe and cleaning as I should be. Uh, Went to go to my car, and a a writer uh, at comicbook.com I follow, Brandon Davis, tweeted it. I was looking at Twitter, and he tweets out, so dot, dot, dot. And usually that's like not just a, so how are you doing? How are things? It's like, uh, so I got some news coming. Mm. So I was like, oh, boy, here we go. What's what's going to drop? Something Star Wars, something Marvel, you know, who knows? Uh, no, it was uh, shocking Walking Dead news that the, uh, the Walking Dead is officially ending well, the, the mainline show, I should say. Right. Not the franchise. The mainline show, The Walking Dead, is officially ending with season 11. Uh, the article on comicbook.com reading, uh, quote, The Walking Dead is officially ending after its 11th season. Season 11 will be a supersized season, offering the show a 24-episode farewell tour, with its airing between beginning in the fall of 2021. Uh, the 24-episode run will span the fall of 2021 and the beginning of 2022. It is unclear whether it will be broken into three eight-part segments to two 12-part halves. Uh, the AMC Zombie Show began in 2010 with its premiere episode Days Gone By, airing on Halloween. Uh, in the years which followed, The Walking Dead became a global hit, claiming the number one spot on cable and spawning several spin-off shows, including two more new series, uh, which will follow its conclusion. Uh, Chief Content Officer Scott at Gimple said, quote, It's been 10 years gone by. What lies ahead are two more to come and stories and stories to tell beyond that. What's clear is that this show has always been about the living, made by a passionate cast, team of writers, writers slash producers, producers and crew bringing to life the vision put forth by Robert Kirkman in his brilliant comic and supported by the best fans in the world. We have a lot of thrilling story left to tell on TWD. And then this up, this end will be a beginning of more Walking Dead. Brand new stories and characters, familiar faces and places, new voices and new mythologies. This will be a grand finale that will lead to new premieres. Evolution is upon us. The Walking Dead lives. Close quote. Hmm. Well, I guess a couple ways to look at this. Uh Obviously, the comic book series has been retired. Yep. In very surprising fashion. Threw a monkey wrench into things uh, on AMC's uh, part if you read the reports. Definitely. We've covered it on the show, too. I mean, obviously, enough time has passed that we are going to be talking Rick Grimes got killed off in the comics. Uh Mm-hmm. And once that happened, it definitely wrapped up things very quickly. And, yeah. And the, and the final issue of the series was very, very good, I have to say. Oh, that. yeah. So that all being said, it's just been a matter of time of what's going to happen with the show. Uh-huh. Now, obviously, Andrew Lincoln has left the show, and he's doing his big secret movie project that we have very little information on. Uh-huh. 
But since he has left and other uh, huge stars from the show have left over the years as well, it's only been centered around Norman Reedus and Melissa McBride uh-huh. since the, the most of the original cast has either been killed off or yeah. moved on to various other projects, like we said. Yeah, I say there's a photo that floats around Twitter anytime there's a there's a you know season one uh, cast member death where it's that like group family photo you see, and every time somebody dies, they get, you know they their portion of the photo gets kind of grayed away, and at this point, we're left with just those two. Yeah, which obviously with the popularity of Norman Reedus' character of Daryl uh-huh. Dixon. He's untouchable. Yeah, because he was a, an original character. He's not in the comics. He's not in the. He's in one video game, but that video game we don't talk about. No, we don't talk about that. One you know, at all. but in terms, but in terms of the Telltale games, he's not in any of those. You know, he's he's a brand new creation that I think Robert Kirkman has said before he wasn't supposed to lapse more than a few episodes, but just he got such a warm and in huge fan reaction that they kept him on well i think at the time when he came on the cast was still getting developed i mean we Mm -hmm. knew some characters from the comics sure but obviously to see a fresh new face on screen and being the wolverine of the team the standout yeah you know every every show has a character that just stands out in in dealing with this kind of genre Reedus definitely took advantage of the role and definitely Mm -hmm. skyrocketed to you know, superstar status. If you think about it, how many panels of the early years of The Walking Dead would you go into and if anybody even joked about Daryl Dixon getting killed off, and if Daryl dies, we riot. became uh-huh. a real thing. Oh, yeah. You know, when the fan base was extremely rabid. I mean, uh-huh. it's been a little quieter over yeah. the past years. Yeah. But you have to think about for the show being on the air as long as it has been, to sustain that popularity, uh-huh. it, it's very tough. I mean, I think every great show goes through it. Oh, yeah. But oh yeah, well, I mean for a while, you know, I, I, the one that comes to mind uh, for me that I remember, uh, NCIS mm-hmm. on, on CBS, NCIS for I remember for like five ten years, you ever flipped a channel to CBS and they're advertising it, and for like five six seven eight nine years, the number one uh, whatever on cable television yeah. for like almost a decade, you know, yeah. and Walking Dead was in the same vein, you know, I remember seeing ratings and they're in its heyday and its prime. Uh, Walking Dead ratings were on par, if not beating Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. No, facts. Which, which is unheard of. No, and the NFL actually catered to it because that's when they started doing flex scheduling. Mm-hmm. That's how you know the show crossed over into pop culture superstardom. Oh, yeah. The fact that the NFL catered to that, huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're never going to officially say it, but let's no. be honest about it. No. But to see over the past years, though, and how the books had gone from being followed to the letter to going in various directions on the show. Overall, the vision of the show is is very questionable, mm-hmm. I would say, because a lot of people really liked the direction, that it was fresh takes. Sure. A lot of them, like myself, didn't like that they steered away from the books. Sure. And when they got too close to the books, a la the introduction of Negan, mm-hmm. it did not resonate with a lot of the mainstream fans that jumped on the show. Sure. So the ratings have dipped a little bit, and like where we say, this is when the bigger-named stars of the show started leaving, like Andrew Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Once that happened, you saw it was just going to be a matter of time of how long could they continue to go on in the current direction they are. Right. Obviously, they're tying up the Whisper War, and if you follow the comics, there's not too much after that. No. That's going to really resonate. I mean, there's still the brand new world saga. Mm-hmm. Which they're still working on and still coming out. Yeah, it's still happening, but that's going to be the swan song that they're going to finish on. Mm-hmm. If they can finish this version of the show out, though, I think it'll be a good thing. Yeah. But But I think, though, there is one area that i don't like and i know that we haven't talked about the breakdown yet mm-hmm. of what's coming uh you, you're referring to the stuff they announced yeah uh so obviously we still have uh i don't know how many more seasons of fear the walking dead coming uh there's the worlds beyond 
yeah. series that's that's still coming at some point. Not sure if that got done or finished before uh, the pandemic shut down. I believe down. I believe they said at San Diego Comic Con that season one is done. Okay, so it, but it's only gonna be two seasons. Right. Okay, so they got that coming. The, the uh, Rick Grimes movies are still coming. We covered that in a one shot, you know, a couple weeks ago where they're still working on it. You know, they haven't started filming obviously because of the pandemic and everything getting shut down. But they're you know it's giving them more time to work on the script. So those are still coming. But there was uh, announced today that following uh, the end of the flagship Walking Dead series, there will be a spinoff centered around Norman Reedus's Daryl Dixon and Melissa McBride's Carol. Uh, so that kind of spoiler alert might hint that they're at least going to make it through to the end of the series. Uh, you know, it's going to be going into production. Uh, Walking Dead showrunner Angela Kang uh, will be the uh, showrunner for the spinoff series. Uh, and also they announced an anthology series uh, that is going to be titled called Tales from the Walking Dead, uh, which they said will follow different characters in each episode, exploring pockets of the Walking Dead universe, uh, which have been left undiscovered. So we could possibly see what was it? There was that one shot comic we've always talked about over in like France or something. Oh, the alien, you know, where the, we could possibly see that adaptation. We could possibly see what happened to the Vatos in season one, you yeah. know, cause that, that was kind of like a thread left hanging. You know, it, we could see how the group first got together in season one when Rick is in a coma and you know, the middle of Georgia, there's so many possibilities that can go with an anthology. That's why I say, I don't yeah. mind them. Going I, like, there. I like that idea. I honestly would love to see him uh, adapt the alien. Oh, okay. Which, if you yeah. don't know about that, we've talked about that a little bit on the show. It's the one book of The Walking Dead that was not written by Robert Kirk- Kirkman. Mm-hmm. It's by Byron K. Vaughn. Very interesting story. Yeah, I have oh, to yeah. say that. It's yeah. one of the better stories that I don't think a lot of people know about. No. But it's very, very well done. So I have to recommend that one. But to see where they're going, the one th- point I was going to say I don't like is they already tipped off that Daryl and Carol survived. Yeah. I think had they not said that, I would be a little more excited, like if they just teased the project and then announced it after. I I I understand what you're saying, but at the same token, I think they had to just because you know the Rick Grimes movie's been in production for God what two three years now. Yeah, you know, ever since he left the show, you know, the anthology series they've already not the anthology series, uh, Worlds Beyond they've already said is two seasons. So that's all going to be, you know, they've already got first season done, then they got one more and it's over and done with. So that's going to leave you, you know, you've got a, fr- a franchise where some p- folks at, that work on it, you know, I think some heads at AMC have said, oh, you know, we're going to have 20 years of Walking Dead content. Okay, you're sitting on, you know, 10 years of Walking Dead, not as many years of Fear the Walking Dead. So you're a little short of your goal of 20, quote unquote, you know, years of content. Mm-hmm. And you've are, and you've you've gotten rid of two of your three shows you got a movie that lord knows when we're going to see that yeah yeah so it's almost what are you going to do is this you know you got to give them something you got to give the fans at least a tease of something so they're not sitting there left wondering what's next yeah i understand that point but at the same token i think it kind of hurts how you're going to finish the story because we talk about this when the cw a lot when they announce uh, an actor or actress is leaving yeah before the series starts, so yeah. it's just a matter of time. Okay, how are they going to get written off? It's kind of the same vibe here. And I understand it's Daryl Dixon, and I understand it's Carol, and I understand we worry about that. And, you know, the long tease love affair is, you know, is it going to happen? Will they, won't they? To see that it's already been announced, I like, I don't know if that helps or hurts. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just my honest opinion, because I think had they kept it quiet, I think it would have had more of an impact. Yeah. Had it just been announced after and just teased and just come yeah. out with all your stuff after. But I understand why they did it, and, you know, we touched upon that too. Mm-hmm. It's just very interesting that they're going with that. The anthology series is a, is a definite very good look. Mm-hmm. The, it's intriguing. It, I can't th- – outside of Marvel's upcoming What If series to Disney+, Plus, I can't think of anything that's been done like it. 
No, not really. I mean, they've kind of teased it a little bit in like other shows, but nothing really has st- that has stood out like for sure. a franchise such sure. as The Walking Dead. I am just kind of curious of, okay, how long can we sustain this? Because mm-hmm. we already know Worlds Beyond is only going to last two seasons. That was announced at Comic-Con. Right. I'm kind of blanking, remembering right off the top of my head. But I believe the first season is done. The second one they are going to have done by the time it rolls out because it's debuting the same time as the return of The Walking Dead on right. October 4th. So that all being said, you have that going. You have Fear of the Walking Dead is going strong, season six at least. I have to see where that goes because mm-hmm. that has not been the ratings juggernaut that I thought that it might have been at one point. Even though no. the show has vastly improved, I will say that first and foremost. Seasons one and two were not that great. No. But since they've sped up the timeline and brought the group into the current Walking Dead time frame, mm-hmm. it's definitely improved a lot. And they've added a good mix of characters. It definitely has a different feel to it. It definitely has a more horror feel to it. Sure. Which I like, so... We'll have to kind of wait and see about that. But just to hear that these are all the future plans of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Are you surprised that they have this many projects coming? No. I mean, because it, for when I used to watch Talking Dead religiously, and I've kind of fallen off that a bit. I just remember Scott M. Gimple at, at the end of seasons always getting asked, what's next? What's next? What's next? And he always he's he's one of those folks. Like, I don't know who he learned it from. But he learned it from, like, the Dave Filoni's and, and what have you that, like, they're really good at interviews of, like, giving you a half answer while also shrouding it in secrecy. Mm-hmm. That, like, he's always teased their stuff on the way. That, like, oh, we're always working on stuff. We always got projects going on, yada, yada. Which you always think is, all oh, you're just saying that to say that. But you got enough people working on it, and there's enough people behind the scenes that are passionate about the project that, no, it doesn't surprise me there's, there's this much in the works. See, for me, I'm kind of twofold on that. I think that it does because it's not been the huge blockbuster franchise mm-hmm. that it had been in years. So to keep rolling out a, a show mm-hmm. to follow it, I think that if you th- feel the fan base is still there, and for AMC and their ratings, I'm sure it's a little different than looking sure. at network TV. So, sure. So you kind of have to take that in comparison. Sure. I just find it very intriguing that they're going to try to keep go- the franchise going without characters that are really captivating that audience. Like, the one thing about Kirkman's story is it just started out basically about humans and survival. Uh And then you really got hooked and attached to the characters. Over the past years, it's kind of switched to humans versus humans. Uh And it turned more soap opery than where the original vision was. Yeah. To come back to it, I think, is a strong point. And like I said, the past couple seasons have been an improvement. Have they been a home run? No. No. I think the the one noted uh, was the midseason return where they did the fake-out deaths that everybody should have died in the cave. Oh, yeah. And they completely failed. Yeah. And I think they just go show that they're not willing to go to the story as much yeah. than they are to uh, uh, tick off the fan base. Because yeah. for the casuals, they have kind of fallen off. And they're, the, yeah, they have. And, and I think part of the reason Walking Dead, at least initially, worked was there was that built-in fan base. There, was, yeah. there were those fans that knew the comics, were a huge fan of the comics, so they're going to tune into that. So, okay, it's a ratings juggernaut because the fans are there. The diehard fans who've read all the comics are there. They're telling their friends. It's you know it's generating huge buzz on, on Netflix and Twitter and, and Facebook and all that. You know, so that generated, and then they went to do the spinoff series, and they and maybe they just figured, oh, the name alone, having Walking Dead in the in the title, will be enough to convince people to watch it. And yeah, I, I'm I'm sure people watched it, but once they realized, oh, there's nobody in this that I know or care about from The Walking Dead, click. I I think they've kind of learned their lesson that just the name alone won't equal success. Mm-hmm. That you have to have good stories with it. 
Yeah, you definitely have to. I think there's one thing they're going to really kind of struggle with. Like I said, the anthology series, I think, might be the sleeper hit of the bunch. Anthology series, I think, will be really good. And I think the smart thing to do with them was not have it air every year. No. Do a run. You know, because obviously with this stuff, you got to come up with ideas. And it's not just as simple as, all right, we got to start at this point and end at this point by the end of the season. Like, no, these are self contained episodic episodes. Have a run of a season, take a couple years off, maybe a year or two, and give yourself time to like come up with ideas and not rush it and mm-hmm. not just get it out there to get it out there because you'll hurt the product. Yeah, absolutely will because for the legacy of The Walking Dead, for being arguably the biggest independent comic to come to television. It, uh, yes. I, I don't think that's a debate right now, no, to be honest with you. No, no. But to see how this comic just transcended from being a very lowly independent comic to one of the biggest franchises in all TV history – is a true testament to the work and to the characters. Yeah, and and, uh, and we know that uh, Melissa McBride and Norman Reedus are excited to continue their characters. Uh, they said, uh, quote, about the, their spinoff series, uh, Melissa said, quote, Of course, I've always enjoyed working so closely with Norman throughout these many seasons. In playing Carol and as a viewer of, of the show, I've always been... I've, also long been intrigued with the Daryl and Carol and by what so early on between them, even then felt somehow bound their shared history is long and each other's own personal fight to survive even longer. The more obvious aspect of what has kept them close and loyal. Uh, but there is also a rather mysterious aspect to their fondness uh, for one another that I enjoy and their playfulness when the world permits. I'm very curious. Angela has a way of shaking things up in a great, in great and unexpected way, uh, ways. She's like a kid playing with the dimmer switch. I'm very excited. Close quote. Uh, Rita said, uh, I feel incredibly honored to be part of the walking dead. The show changed my life and career and everyone involved has truly been a family for me over the last decade. I'm thankful for AMC's love and support and know there's so much more story to tell and so much more to bring the best fans in the world. Daryl's relationship with Carol has always been my favorite relationship on the show. Sorry, Rick. Uh, I love the way these characters interact and relate to each other on so many levels and can't wait to see where their ride goes from there. Uh, goes from here. Close quote. Well, Rita's definitely has to be thankful for the franchise. And one thing too, he's, he's always remained loyal to it. Mm-hmm. Like for everybody yeah, yeah. that has come, come and gone from the show, he's been the one that has blown off projects to stay with the I'll franchise. Say, and he's the one name that I can think of that there's never been any rumblings of like, oh, he might leave. He, he's thinking about leaving. Right. He's been very loyal to them. Yeah. Which, which, I mean, they're applauding and they're rewarding him too. Which I, I have to say I'm a little bittersweet about this because it's been long rumored that if The Walking Dead wrapped up, mm-hmm. he would be so as... Johnny Blaze in the MCU. Yeah. I'm so, like, ugh, hoping that would happen. Maybe they could still work that out. I mean, we Maybe. don't know how long the series is going to be. But for overall, the news of The Walking Dead coming to the close, it's it's bittersweet, I guess, at this stage. But yeah. it, it does make sense, though. It's yeah. ran its yeah. course. It, it's ran its course. And it's like I've said before, with comics, books, movies, TV shows, go out while you're on top and mm-hmm. while you still have a very respectable reputation. Yeah, you've got some negative fans, but that's true for any fan base. Yeah, that's every fan base. That's every fan base. You're not going to change that. But Walking Dead isn't at a Game of Thrones final season level. You know, because here's the thing. Game of Thrones was the hottest commodity in all of, you know, the television, the, television, the internet, and yeah. everything. It, we're now, what, a year or two removed from its final season? Who still talks about it? Hardly anybody, other other than shitting on it because of how bad the last season was. Walking Dead, I think the legacy when they leave will be, you know, there'll be some people's like, oh, it's a great show, awesome show, you should check it out if you get the opportunity. There'll be also be some other folks who go, ah, yeah, it was good for a few seasons, but I kind of fell off. There's really, at least in my estimation, no kind of negative aspects towards it. No, there can't be really because The Walking Dead, like I say, 
it definitely set the bar that an indie comic could break through uh-huh. and work for a mainstream audience. It just depends on the story and the characters. Yeah. And once you have that combination, you can go a lot of great ways. For The Walking Dead to be the main threat to Monday night or Sunday night football uh-huh. and have the NFL cater to it, like I can't stress that enough. If you don't realize the gravity of that situation. Uh-huh. The NFL does not change for anything. No. But let alone they were getting beaten the ratings so much that's when they instituted the flex scheduling, in my yep. opinion. I mean, like I said, they'll never admit to that. But let's be honest. For The Walking Dead to continue that streak, and like I say, once they got to the Negan episodes and they followed the comic, that definitely was the splitting point for their audience. Yeah. Mainstream fans were turned off. Yeah. Hardcore fans like me were like, hell yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah. Because you read these characters in the comics, you know how the story's going to play out. Yeah. To see them really follow the books to the letter, and that's what it says. The Walking Dead is not a happy place. No, it's not. It should not be treated as that. And to be a TV show, you have to walk that fine line. I think over the past few years, that's where they've really had their weakest moments, when mm-hmm. they're afraid to pull the big death. Yeah. I know they did it with Carl, and that was yeah. supposed to be the, yeah. the end-all-shattering one. But honestly, at that stage, did it really matter? I mean, my biggest issue with the show is you know, I've always enjoyed it. It's not faltered in any way shape or form just the biggest issue for me is just how the tone changed mm-hmm. you you look at the early seasons and how you know everyone seems to be on edge and you're on the edge of your seat and the hair's on the back of your neck a little bit and just how every they're constantly on a proverbial powder keg yeah that it could go at any point that at some point along the line and and i don't know maybe if once i do a full rewatch of all the seasons i'll i'll figure out and kind of pick up on oh there's the change at some point along the line, the tone changed. And and I don't mean that into from like a horror comic to just like an action adventure show. Yeah. You know, but it's at some point the tone changed and there were times, you know, I there was a time where I loved every episode of Walking Dead. There were, you know, some maybe more than others, but I enjoyed the hell out of all of them. That's kind of changed a little bit over the last few years. Where yeah. I there's there I remember there was one episode that was an that was an hour and a half uh because it was for whatever reason that I got got done watching like I just wasted an hour and a half like what the hell was that? Well, the problem that they have is they added too many characters yeah. and they were trying to give them all screen time. Yeah. That I mean that's one of the faux pas. Yeah. I mean, if we really want to break it down very quickly. Their faux pas is they got away from the books, they added too many characters, they tried writing it like a soap opera instead of a comic. And it really did not connect with the new characters to fill in the void of older characters leaving. Yeah. I mean, you think about when Maggie left, uh, Lauren Cohen decided to go away from the show. Did they really have somebody to fill in that void? No. You know, when Diane Guerrero left the show? Yeah. Did they have somebody to fill in Michonne's role? No. No. So when you don't have these characters that can pick up where, like, okay, I was a fan of Michonne, but who's the next Michonne? Mm-hmm. Or who's the, you know, when Rick left? Yeah. Who's the next Rick? Yeah. That's where you kind of have to say okay, who's next? And for The Walking Dead, I think they tried, but it just didn't resonate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a lot of times when it's on point and you have a really good story, yeah, the shows are good, but I remember those episodes too where they're trying to focus an entire episode on Tara. Yeah. And how did that go over? And you're just like, okay, this made no sense to the story. Mm -hmm. It made no sense to why we wasted this much time. Not to say that, you know, it's not a great character. Right. But at the same token, why am I investing if I'm not fully buying in? Mm Mm-hmm. So that's where The Walking Dead is going to be at for heading into the next phase. With so many projects coming out, I just feel that they're just 
hedging their bets a little too much and hoping everybody stays on for each show. Right. But I think what you're going to have is certain fans are going to gravitate towards the Daryl and Carol. Sure. Certain ones are going to go for the anthology. I'm very intrigued by that. Oh, I am too. The world's beyond. I'll be yeah. honest. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, gonna to give it a shot, but I'm like, my bar is real low. I'm going to give it a shot, but it just reminded me of Riverdale with zombies. Uh, and maybe. it just is it's just like... With it's, a, a, it's an intriguing look, just because like we said, the only comic they've ever done is the main line that had Rick. Mm-hmm. This The one shot that was you know, in another country. Uh, and then uh, the Negan one that just came out a couple, about a month or so ago. Yeah. You know, so there's never, and it's always been, you know, for the bulk of it, you know, 95% of it, 98% of it, really, it's been focused on Rick, 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 and everything going on with him. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm intrigued with the Worlds Beyond show because it's a, it's a perspective that we haven't seen before. And I, and I hope they learned from the mistake with season one and two of Fear the Walking Dead and just, knowing that okay the name alone isn't enough to equal success that you have to have good story yeah you have to have good stories and you have to have great actors to lead the way like i said you had andrew lincoln you had denia guerrera you had you know jeffrey dean morgan now as mm-hmm. negan who, de- who definitely picked up a lot of the slack you had norman reedus like when you have the combination of actors and actresses on the show that really can elevate the yeah. material that's where it really resonated and that's why i said the walking dead had that in their first cast, and now it's just ran its course. I mean, it's just like any yeah. great TV show. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, nothing lasts forever. No. To see that now they're extending the franchise out, they're going to have a lot more questions than answers. Hopefully they can answer it, but they did give us a lot to look forward to in the upcoming months. Oh, so yeah, they say it's one final season, but 24 episodes, that's essentially two. It's essentially two, just however they want to break it down. But for them, I'd like to see them really get back to the vibe of season one. Mm-hmm. Really follow the story. Don't care about what's going to happen with your audience. because And don't hold back. Don't hold back. And just really focus on telling the best story possible. If you kill off a lot of characters, so be it. Just make it worthwhile. Yeah. Don't be afraid to take the risks you did in the early seasons sure and and they're not even necessarily in a position you know like a star wars or like another series that like you know the ending of how it's supposed to end Mm -hmm. and you have certain characters that have to get to certain places you know they're they don't necessarily have to do that because they're so far deviated from the comics that you can really kill off outside of obviously norman norman and uh melissa mcbride's characters you can kill Belt just about damn near anyone. And that's where they should just feel the freedom to write what they want and let just let it go. Let it be what it's going to be because when they decide to play by the rules, The Walking Dead hurts, mm-hmm. and it's not good. When they decide to really be the independent comic vibe that it started out as, where they were, where they were not afraid to kill off major characters because it made sense to the story, that's where they were their strongest. If they can write this final season and lead the new franchises in that direction, Yeah, it's a win-win. And that's what I'm hoping we see coming forward. Me too. That all being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. What is your thoughts about The Walking Dead ending, and what do you think about the new franchises rolling out from its end? We definitely want to have the conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Chris. And Lance. Asking you to check out our new podcast, Comic Book Keepers. Join us as we delve deep into comic lore to uncover the history behind a wide variety of comic book characters. Each episode will feature one hero, villain, team, or ensemble, and break down what makes these heroes super. We'll give you recommendations on what storylines to read. Explain how characters were created. Discuss adaptations, costumes, and answer comic fandom's what-if questions. Yeah, and spoiler alert, these conversations can get pretty nerdy. This is... Comic Book Keepers. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, 
back to the guys. Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we are going back to fandom. For a minute, I thought you said you were, I thought you were going to talk about the island from Lost. No, maybe, but... We have to go back. Oh, my God. You had to bring that up, didn't you? Uh-huh. No, 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 folks. We are talking about DC Fandom Part 2. Yes. The event of the summer, at the least... Arguably. Arguably one of the biggest fan moments of all pop culture this year. Going to be honest, it's going to be hard to top the first day. It definitely will. So DC Comics is rolling out their second day of all fan events celebrating everything that is DC Comics. Uh-huh. So the past one we just had, which was incredible. We did a whole streaming service about it on, D- on twitch.tv slash 6 podcast. We have covered it at great length on here. It had definitely lived up to the hype, <coughs> and it delivered so many bombshell announcements yeah for us it was definitely tough to try covering everything because they had so much they decided to split into two days which was smart and i actually thank them for because wow did they ever impress yeah did they ever impress yeah so what we're going to be doing is teasing previewing what is coming this go around happening this saturday september 12th check dcfandom.com for where you are in the world so you can definitely take part and don't miss out on any of the content. But right now, we're going to break down what you need to be checking out this week. Yeah, so uh, a couple of different verses, I guess, they got going on this weekend uh, that we're going to mention but not really deep dive into. Uh, they've got the insider verse going on, uh, which, according to a description I'm reading off of nerdbot.com, uh, says, quote, fans can go behind the scenes with, their, with the master artisans who bring DC to life in all its forms, from comic books to games, TV, movies, theme parks, consumer products, and more. So if you're if you're a person who I'm going to be honest, I like some behind the scenes stuff. I the one that comes to mind is uh, there was a behind the scenes feature on the Revenge of the Sith uh, DVD when that first came out, mm-hmm. and it was talking about how the chase scene with Grievous and Obi Wan Kenobi was directed by Steven Spielberg. Yeah, you know, so stuff like that. If you're into that kind of stuff or any of the other stuff I mentioned, is going to be something to check out for you. Uh, they've also got the Funverse going on, uh, which is a, a place to share your DC fandom, uh, read hundreds of free digital. Comics, strike a pose at the selfie station, explore the Joker escape room, and much more. Uh, and they've also got the U-verse. Uh, there you will be able to check out more than 17,000, holy cow, uh, fan art, cosplay, and user-generated content submissions from around the world. And you will be able to vote for your favorites. No word if there's going to be some sort of prize for the most uh, favorited or something like that, but you never know. So definitely mm-hmm. something to check out uh, there. Uh this weekend, but we are looking at the, what is it? The watch verse. Yeah. The watch verse is what is really standing out to us because uh-huh. everything else is going on with the insider verse, the U verse, the fun verse and the kid verse like Pat yeah. has been talking about is really giving the whole comic con feel to uh-huh. it. There is a lot going on. So depending on what you are interested in your fandom, whether it's cosplay, whether it's behind the scenes, uh-huh. whether it's just celebrating everything that is DC, you can go to all these different verses and celebrate. Yeah. But the watch verse is probably the closest we're going to get to a sequel to Hall of Heroes. So it's loaded. Yeah, because Hall of Heroes, they are, it appears they are replaying. Which too. makes sense. Yeah, because when they dropped the bombshell on August 22nd, they really had so much that fans were really trying to go back and check everything out. So it's still slated up there on the menu it does not appear that they're going to be having it, but you never know. So you'll definitely check that out if you missed it, though. Yeah. 
But the watch versus what we're going to focus on here because oh, yeah. it is stacked. Uh-huh. So, Pad, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so the first one, I wasn't quite sure what the heck this was, just based off of the title. Uh, the title of it is All Supervillains Panel. Hmm. Uh, wasn't quite sure what this was. I'm like, All Supervillains? What's that? Jumped in, and I'm glad I did. A description of this reads, The Joker, Lex Luthor, Catwoman, Sinestro. Ever wonder what makes these twisted antagonists tick? Come face-to-face with these masterminds of crime and many more, and some of the gifted actors who brought them to life. This is the hook on this panel, including John Glover, a.k.a. Lionel Luthor from Smallville, uh, Clancy mm. Brown, a.k.a. Mr. Freeze from The Batman, the 2004 animated series. Oh, wow. Uh, Marvin Crondon, Jones III from Black Lightning. Okay. Uh, Diedrich Bader from Superman Red Sun. Mark Strong from Shazam. Uh, Jason Isaacs from Justice League God and Monsters. Troy Baker from Batman Arkham Origins. Okay. Tara Strong from Batman and Harley Quinn. Gina Gershon uh, from the Batman 2004. She played Selena Kyle. Okay. Uh, and then John DiMaggio from Batman Under the Red Hood. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar, he was the Joker. Uh, in, uh, in this two-part rogues gallery panel that explores the critical role of the nemesis throughout the DC multiverse. Holy cow, that's a that's a loaded uh, crew. That is a very, very loaded crew. You had me sold on John Glover in Smallville. Yeah, definitely they stacked that deck. And to go over all the supervillains, too, and what makes them relevant, I know uh-huh. I know our good friend out at 30 and Nerdy, what up, Tyler Mack, did a whole episode breaking down about the villains and why they're so important to yeah. the heroes. This one is so much behind the scenes uh-huh. and t- talking to you know the actors and the voice actors who play yeah. these characters and to really see what makes them tick to get in their heads about it, I think it's going to be a really fascinating panel. Oh, yeah, especially a guy like John Glover. I know I'm small of a fan, but he played Lionel Luthor for like, I forget how many seasons. Not, I don't think all 10. It might have been all 10, mm-hmm. it, but he played that character for at least 10 years. So if there's anybody who knows about Lionel Luthor or what it is to be a Luthor, uh, it's that guy. Yeah, so that is going to be one to definitely check out. For me, uh, at 1 o'clock on September 12th, A League of One, the Dwayne McDuffie story. Mm. So the screening, so to quote from DCFandom.com, originally released with the DC animated movie Justice League Doom, this documentary celebrates the late Milestone Comics co-founder Dwayne McDuffie, a prolific writer, artist, and advocate for bringing black superhero characters to the screen. His Ooh. work uh, entertained and enlightened advanced cultural diversity and elevated the standards for superhero telling storytelling, creating a standard that future generations would be inspired and challenged to reach. Although Dwayne's life may have been cut short, his work, including damage control for Marvel, creating comics for Milestone, his transition to television animation at Warner Brothers with series such as Static Shock, Justice League, and Teen Titans, and more will live forever. All right. So this is going to be something definitely worth checking out, especially if you are a fan of the Milestone comic line. It, which is coming back, which was coming one of back. the biggest announcements at uh, on August 22nd. This is going to be definitely one to watch. I'm super excited to check this one out. Yeah. Uh, one that's jumping out to me, comic line they got going on that is just absolutely bonkers, uh, Batman the Joker War. Holy smokes, man. Uh-huh. Uh, this is taking place again Saturday. Uh, the dark, reads, The Dark Knight and the Clown Prince of Crime clash in a showdown for the fate of Gotham City. Uh, this, summer's, this summer in DC's big Bat family event, Batman Joker War. Batman writer and event architect James Tynion IV uh, discusses the scope of the project with some of the other talented minds contributing to this can't-miss event. Uh, you ha- will have uh, Cecil Castellucci, uh, who writes Batgirl, uh, Batman artist Jorge Jimenez, Dan Jurgens uh, from Nightwing, uh, and a special guest appearance by Oscar-winning writer John Ridley. Okay, so if you have not been reading Joker War... Let me give it to you in one sentence. 
Batman's hallucinating and seeing the ghost of Alfred. Yeah. And that's just, like, the tamest part of it. Tinian's run on this has been absolutely amazing. Jesus Christ. Or Tinian's run, I'm sorry. Uh, he stepped in, obviously taking over Tom King. We weren't really sure what we were going to get, except we were super excited. I mean, his work has always been on point. And he is delivering a modern-day classic with this one. Yeah, I would say the interaction that... And I don't even know if this is like a flashback or just... I think it's in his head in, mm-hmm. in the last issue that Batman has with Alfred. Just the, the what Alfred says to Batman is amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely... Very cool to see everything that has been done. And this has been arguably one of the better Joker stories you'll read, too. Yes. And to see how they've now pushed Punchline, who has now come out of nowhere and is arguably one of the hottest characters in comics, Mm -hmm. if you try finding any issues involving her. Good luck. Good luck. To see where they're going with this storyline and how absolutely just bonkers it's been, it's been an amazing read thus far. I'll say, if you're not fully grasping how crazy this story is, it's so bad in Gotham right now that you've got Riddler, Penguin, Mr. Yeah. Freeze, Catwoman, and all the other villains hold up in the ice penguin and Penguin's Lounge, not wanting to come out because I think in the last issue, Catwoman goes, oh, hey, I got to bounce, guys. And Penguin looks at her and goes, what are you, nuts? It's the middle of a Joker attack. Yeah. This is how the stakes are so high, and to see how Joker's plan is coming to fruition has been brilliant thus far. Oh, it's nuts. Yeah, this is definitely worth checking out. If you have not picked up uh, the latest run of Batman, you definitely need to go check this out. Mm -hmm. Speaking of the Joker, Uh I think the next panel up, that's what we're going to start talking about. Yep, uh, that is Batman Three Jokers. Uh, Reads, ahead of the launch of their highly anticipated miniseries, join master storytellers Jeff Johns and Jason Fabek uh, to learn the secrets behind Batman Three Jokers and how the clown prince of crime continues to loom large not only in the life of batman but also in the lives of his allies in the war on crime all right so can we talk spoilers about this it's been out for two weeks yes okay so we are going to be talking some spoilers about three jokers so you have been forewarned i am giving you enough time if you haven't seen it you can pause the episode and jump back in because we need to discuss this Mm -hmm. now has this book lived up to the expectations it lived beyond i i hadn't read it when we kind of talked about it a couple weeks ago but i got a chance to read it it was above the expectations you gave me Mm -hmm. like you explained it to me you explained what's going on i read it for myself and holy shit it's all that and much more yeah i mean this is a nice compliment to alan moore's the killing joke yes is it the sequel no no i think that there's elements that you'll definitely appreciate about this but just how they're trying to explain the story, and I'll, I'll admit, like, after doing a couple reads of this, I'm really not sure where the end game is going to be with this. No. Uh, like, I have my suspicions because where the story is unfolding, if you haven't been paying attention, in Justice League 2015, Batman sat down on the New Gods Metron's Mobius chair, mm-hmm. and he now gained all cosmic knowledge. So the one question he's never been able to figure out is who is the Joker. Yep. He asks this, and he says, there's three? Yeah. And then is written off, and they don't ever touch upon it. Yep. But obviously, you can't say that line involving the Joker. Yeah. And it goes un- unheard of. Yep. So Jeff Johns has decided to write this story explaining how there's been three Jokers all along. And he breaks down about how the one is the criminal, mm-hmm. who's more the uh, early Joker version. Say like that the, say. the original run. Right, from Batman number one in 1940. Then you have the clown one, which is the one that you notice is more the Silver Age yep. years, the one that is much tied to the death of the family storyline from mm-hmm. 1988. And then you have the comedian, who is supposed to be the representing the killing joke 
Yep. Joker. So all of these three are still around, and yet you're seeing how they're all working together and how the plan is that they're basically creating more Jokers. Yeah. With Joker Toxin. And doing justice to the name. Yes. And obviously, this is just such a far-fetched story that I'm not sure if... My like my early ODPH guess about this uh-huh. is that there is one Joker, mm. and he's basically trying to genetically continue himself through other people. Okay, like he's basically, I want to say like almost doing like a possession. Sure, and just kind of like what they did in the uh, what was it Batman Beyond uh, movie? Yeah, yeah. Where like he was dead for years and years and years, but then I forget which Robin it was. Uh, I think it was Tim Drake, maybe. Mm, yeah. Tim Drake was like, oh, surprise, he's been living in your head for the last, you know, 50 years. Yeah, something like that. Because if all these Jokers are getting affected with Joker toxin and mm-hmm. basically they're replicating themselves. Yeah. It's not exactly clones. No. But it's in that conversation. I just love the one part of the of the book where there have been three high-profile murders. Uh, one was a comedian that was live-streamed on the internet. Uh, and I forget the other two. But you've got Commissioner Gordon and a bunch of detectives and a bunch of cops at one of the scenes of of the crimes. And they're all guessing. They think that it's one real Joker and then two impersonating him. Mm-hmm. And they're all they've all got, you know, it's like your work. They, they got bets going which one's real. And Batman shows up and they're like, oh, come on, we got money on this. Who's the real one? And I just love how Batman knows what the hell's going on. I think Barbara, to an extent, knows what's going on, but she may not know the full scope. Mm-hmm. Jason knows what the hell's going on. He knows something is up, but the cops are completely in the dark. And I and I love how Batman's not telling him because if he told them, hey, there are three Jokers running around that aren't you know just people impersonating him, all chaos would ensue. Oh, well, they definitely have to keep that under wraps because if everybody knew there was three Jokers, mm-hmm. like how absolutely crazy has it been? Yeah, and you can argue that they've all been working together. I know they're trying to spin that story that they've all been working the same time. Well, they're working together as long as it meets their own ends, right? But I don't think that it is that. I think what happens is there's one true Joker, and what he's doing is he's just trying to genetically force his DNA into people to extend his life. So if he gets killed, guess what? There's always going to be a Joker. Uh-huh. And I think that that's where it is. So everybody has a bit of his personality. And I think it's just how they're going to try to explain in the psychology of this, like what happens when you're infected with Joker toxin. Yeah, maybe. That's going to be the end game of the story. But the real telling part of this is that moment where Jason Todd and Barbara Gordon have the death of the family Joker uh-huh. tied up. And you have the reenactment via Joker's point of view. I'm saying this is after Batman has helped capture him. Mm-hmm. He's left because I forget something else is going on that he has to go. And he's like, hey, you know, wait here and do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And then all shit hits the fan. Well, the Joker just does what the Joker does. He provokes him into snapping. Mm-hmm. And especially when he tries saying, like, when I was breaking your bones and he was reenacting what Jason Todd was saying. Yeah. And the quote, I'll be your Robin. Yep. Which. Yeah. That was enough to set Jason off where he shoots that Joker. Well, now that I think about it, I don't think Barbara or Jason know what the hell's going on because there's one point, I think, after Batman has left them mm-hmm. where they're trying to figure out what the hell's going on because Jason's like, he hasn't used jokes like that in decades. They're like, he has, because at one point he throws those like metal cards. Yeah. And he's like, he hasn't used those in years. And there's a, he's like, oh, he hasn't used this minor henchman in years as well. Like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, so that's what I say. I think his fragile psyche is now trying to extenuate, so thus when all these people are remembering, okay, what happened, this is where it comes in, and this is enough to set Jason Todd off where he actually kills him, which I yeah. I was like, okay, yeah. 
Well, now we're down to two Jokers. So what does that mean? And to see that interaction he has with Barbara Gordon, who's flipping out on him, and the only thing he can say to her is, when was the last time you missed with your batarang? Mm-hmm. Dang. That was a line. That was a definitive line on yeah, that one. Yeah, it was. So we'll have to wait to see where we go. And this panel is going to have more to say about it, uh-huh. which, I like I say, it's been a nice compliment. Like, I don't think it's the true sequel, so I think a lot of expectations are high. But it is delivering. Like, oh, it's, this, it's great. It's great, but it's going to be absolutely wild to see how this all ends because, I like I said, my early prediction is there's one Joker, and he's just trying to extend himself through other people. So you'll see some kind of weird genetic thing maybe with the Ace Chemicals. Yeah. but Because I don't want to see him go too cosmic. Like I know I was talking with Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming. He was talking about multiverse uh, Jokers right. involved. I think that would water down the story. Yeah. I don't I don't think they're going to go that route just because it would be too much. Like just keep this basic. But if you're going to try telling the quote-unquote Joker origin, mm-hmm. keep it simple. Enough said. Yep. Next up. Uh, it w- is the Batwoman panel for the CW show. Okay. Uh, it says Gotham's newest hero is suited up and ready, and she's here. Uh, join executive producers Caroline Dries and Sarah Schechter, uh, plus cast members Rachel Scarston, Megan Tandy, Cameris Johnson, and Nicole Kang uh, for an ex- exclusive first discussion with the highly anticipated new Batwoman, uh, Javisa Leslie, as she prepares to step into the iconic role. The cast will break down season one and give a sneak peek at season two, featuring new arrival Ryan Wilde. A.K.A. Batwoman. Very excited about this one. Mm-hmm. Really interesting to see how they're going to write off the Kate Kane character. Yes. Obviously, we know Ruby Rose is not returning. Yep. But they have left the door open, so mm-hmm. they're not killing her off. But to see how the character of Ryan Wilder is going to take over the mantle, yeah, I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. So where the expectations are going to be for the show. Yeah. It's one of my most intriguing shows of 2021. Yeah. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah, because shows have lost one of their main leads in the past, Walking Dead Hello. Mm -hmm. But none of them, at least to my knowledge, have ever... You know, lost the actor or actress as one of their main leads, and then replaced them with some, replaced the character with somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So this is going to be all types of new ground to mm-hmm. walk on, yeah. And to see if a show can survive this. I mean, we have not really tread yeah. too far on this, yeah, on, on this kind of you know ground, yeah. So we'll have to kind of wait to see how it plays out. But I am very interested to see. Hopefully, we get a little teaser trailer or something. I would imagine so. Yeah. So let's see where we go. Uh, after that is the Black Lightning panel for the TV show. Uh, it says join Black Lightning stars Cress Williams, China Ann McLean, Nafessa Williams, Christine Adams, Marvin uh, Crondon Jones the Third, Jordan Calloway, and James Ramar, with actor filmmaker Robert Townsend moderating as they pay homage to the '90s. Whether it was hit television shows like Living Single and Family Matters, films such as Boomerang, House Party, and Blade, the Chicago Bulls, domination of the NBA, or rap artists breaking ground, the 90s were lit. Hmm. So I, I, maybe that's going to be some sort of theme for the season? Maybe, because obviously now Black Lightning is in the Earth Air, Prime. So in the Arrowverse proper. Yeah, the Arrowverse, of, like whatever the official name is, I think it's yep. Earth, Earth Prime, which is just weird to yeah. say. Yeah. But I'm glad that he's there. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering what they're going to try doing now uh, yeah. with with the character. I think that can only help to do maybe some crossovers with other CW characters. So, oh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, I'm really excited to see it. Like I said, I really love the first season of Black Lightning. Second one, and, and right now, like I said, they've had they've had some kind of hit and misses with me. Yeah, first season was really good. Second season, yeah, not so much yes. for me. Yeah, so I definitely want to see where they play out. And obviously going into new territory that they're now on. Yeah. 
you know, Earth Prime. So yep. that's what I'm just, I'm like I say, I'm very excited to see where we're going to head to here. Yeah. Uh, after that, another interesting one is the DC Showcase Collection, Batman Death in the Family. Uh, it says, learn the fascinating details behind Warner Brothers Home Entertainment's first ever interactive film presentation during the DC Showcase Batman Death in the Family panel. Uh, as the anchor of an anthology of 2019-2020 animated shorts, Batman A Death in the Family is based on the 1988 landmark DC event where fans voted by telephone to determine the story's ending and is organically grown out into the 2010 DC universe movie, Batman under the red hood. Highly recommend you check that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this new version, the animated short is an interactive storytelling presentation with numerous branches, allowing the viewer multiple options from which to choose and alter the path of the core characters, Batman, Robin, Joker, Red Hood, and more. Uh, join Brandon Vietti, Batman under the red hood uh, with actors, Vincent uh, Martella from Phineas and Ferb, and John DiMaggio, uh, it says Adventure Time, but it's a whole lot of others. Uh, look it up sometime. Yeah. Uh, for an in-depth panel discussion moderated by DC Daily's Hector Navarro uh, about this innovative film. Uh, so this is definitely one I'm interested in. A, DC animated films are top-notch. Yeah, top shelf. So good. Throw in the fact that this is an inter- and I always love it, you know, choose-your-own-adventure interactive feature to it. I'm real interested to see what some of the quote-unquote branches off of the traditional story are. Yeah, this is going to be real interesting to see, and especially to try doing that interactive version of the mm-hmm. story, which, I mean, we all know about in 1988 when the original series came out, the 1-900 number to say, are we going to kill Jason Todd off or not? Yep. To see now that we are here with an animated version mm-hmm. and obviously a lot of different storytelling going on with that. Yep. We get to see how this is going to resonate on on screen, and even though animated style is animated style, it's still going to be good. Mm-hmm. And with DC's track record, I'm expecting big things from this, and I cannot wait to watch so this. And film. it can be real violent. Look at the last Justice League Dark movie, Mike Drop. Yeah, they're not exactly made for kids. It's more no. for a mature audience. No. Which the is the last Justice League Dark movie. Uh, heroes had their heads and limbs cut off. Yeah, just they were, saying they were not playing around. No. Next uh, up, uh, you have the DC Legends of Tomorrow panel, uh, which is going to it says uh, the legends have encountered a mess of creatures, villains and time periods over the course of the show. And you, the fans, have been on this wild ride right along with them. Join the cast and producers of DC's Legends of Tomorrow for a Q&A and, of course, lots of laughs. Be sure to tune in to get the inside scoop on favorite moments from past seasons and what they have in store for season six. Uh, series stars Katie Lotz, Nick Zano, Matt Ryan, Tala Ash, Jess McAllen, Olivia Swan, Amy Louise Pemberton, and Cheyenne uh, Sobhayan uh, join executive producers Phil Clemmer, Keto Shimizu, and Grian Godfrey for a panel moderated by Entertainment Weekly's Chancellor Eckhart. Can you believe we're at season six already? I honestly forgot we were that far. Like, it took me a second about Black Lightning. I didn't realize we are at season four. Yeah. I mean, just, wow. Like, the series have grown so much. And mm-hmm. for Legends to see where they started and where they are now. Yeah. We say it once. We say it again, folks. It's American Doctor Who. Pretty much. And they definitely need to rebound this season. Yeah. Last one was okay. Last one was okay. It was just way too all over the place. Way too all over. Obviously, losing Brandon Routh hurt mm-hmm. a lot. And to see the transition of the guard and what the lineup's going to be, sure. Who knows where we're going to get? Because where we left off was uh, Sarah Lance getting beamed up in space. Yep. So yeah, so we'll kind of have to see where we go. I'm hoping we get a, a teaser trailer and maybe we hear about some other legends joining. Say so it might be something real early. I don't know if they're very far into filming, just because I know either last weekend or the weekend before I saw a photo of one of the guys from Supernatural uh, getting uh, their nose swabbed uh, for testing. Mm. Uh, so I know, and they they film in the same locations they do for the 
CW DC shows. So they might be filming soon. Yeah, I got to imagine. It might, might be something very we, We'll probably get maybe a, a sizzle reel, so to speak. Maybe. Just like the history of Legends and maybe get something to hype yeah, up. Yeah. So, yep. Next up. Uh, this one near and dear to your heart. Uh, panel for DC's Stargirl. Let's go. Says DC's, DC's Stargirl creator slash executive producer Jeff Johns joins the cast members Breck Bassinger, Amy Smart, Yvette Montreal, Angelica Washington, and Cameron Gelman for a panel full of fun and inside scoop. Join the new Justice Society of America as they dive into that epic showdown and learn a little more about each other through some special lenses. I got to drop another Wonder Soul. Let's go. If you're not following Wonder Soul, you need to be following Wonder Soul. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the surprise hit of the year for me yeah. has been DC Stargirl. Yeah. I, I am a very big fan of the show. I am so happily surprised at how well this has been done, especially with trying to do the teenage drama meets the Justice Society of America. It's been very well done. They definitely go a lot of different places. I am wondering how much they're going to be revealing about now transitioning to CW. See, for me, that's what I'm waiting to see about this show. Mm-hmm. Because, obviously, with the news that it was leaving the DC Universe, right. it's now going to be CW exclusive. So yep. it's not going to be on HBO Max, which I thought was kind of very telling. I think that the show is going to go through some transitions. Is it going to have the same big budget? That's Probably one the, not. Probably not. And I think that that could hurt them in certain aspects, especially sure. with Luke Wilson's character of Stripe. I'm waiting to hear maybe a teaser of, okay, what we, what we should be expecting now with the CW. Mm-hmm. They left a lot of great cliffhangers. And to see where this show is going to go, like I say, I can't stress enough of how much of a pleasant surprise it's been. You definitely need to go watch it. I believe it's up now on their streaming service. You can check it out. Okay. And it's a quick binge watch. It's worth the time. I'm going to say I give it a very, very high recommendation. It's a fun show. Is it Doom Patrol level? No. No. But it's fun. It's a throwback. If you're into old school style storytelling of comics, you'll definitely enjoy it. So you know me. I got this already circled on oh, my, yeah. my calendar. Funny you should say that. Speaking of Doom Patrol, that is the next panel. Hell yeah. It says, uh, from DC Fandom to Fandom, uh, join the world's strangest heroes, the Doom Patrol, for a deep dive discussion into the beloved and bizarre series. Uh, panel will feature executive producers Jeremy Carver and Chris Dingus, uh, co-executive producer Tamara Betcher-Wilkinson, and series stars Matt Bomer, Diane Guerrero, April Bowlby, Jovian Wade, Timothy Dalton, Karen Obliam, uh, Abigail Shapiro, Riley Shanahan, and Matthew Zuck. I am surprised no Brendan Fraser. Might be busy. Who's to say? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm just kind of surprised that, dare I say, one of the best TV shows out, period. I'm not even saying Mm comic-wise. Doom Patrol, let's get weird. Because they have embraced it. Yeah. They go in a lot of strange-ass directions. But it's so well done. Diana Guerrero should be nominated for an Emmy. I'm I'm already going to say it right now. I think I'm touting this a lot, and it's rightfully deserved. How she balances playing all the different personalities of Crazy Jane is astonishing. And this season, they definitely went into a lot of different directions. A little more uh, psychologically driven this year, Mm -hmm. I think would say, and a lot of dealing with their past traumas with their families. Sure. Growing up, I mean, like I say, to do minor spoilers, Robot Man was now coming to terms with he has his teenage daughter now knows who, or his actual daughter now knows who he is. um, Awkward. Yes. And becoming like the father figure and how that dynamic plays out. You have Negative Man played by Matt Bomber, who is coming to terms with the past he left behind Mm -hmm. in his family. 
And he's, like I say, Diana Guerrero, you find out everything going on with her and all yeah. her different personalities and dig into her origins and how absolutely traumatic it is, but yet she balances it out. And where the overall story was focusing on Timothy Dalton's uh, daughter, who's played by Abigail Shapiro, uh-huh. and to see that whole dynamic play out, which follows a lot from Grant Morrison's writing in the comic, they definitely lived up to it. They didn't really pull punches. It was so well done, so in your face. It's worth the watch. I will say this. If you binge watch it, take a break in between a couple episodes. It's a lot to handle at once. Okay. It will definitely mess your head up a so little. I have heard that from some people. Yes. I'm not the only person that says this. Like, No, I, you're I, not. I can watch about three in a row, and I'm like, okay, I need a break. Not that I don't love the show, because I do. You know, I've, I've heard you say that, and I know some. Uh, I've watched some stuff where some of the folks on uh, Achievement Hunter have said that, that are fans of the show. They've said the same thing. They're like, it's a great show, but don't watch it all at once. Yeah, I've talked with Julian uh, from Shout Out the Robots. I know that he's a big fan of it, and he's said the same thing. He's like, yeah, it's great. You can only t- watch so much at once. Then you got to walk away. And to hear that they got renewed for another season, yeah. uh, seasons, I believe. So yeah, I, yeah. I think it yeah. would be through season four. And to see I the ratings have been good on HBO Max and I, I see me I watch on DC Universe. Sure. I'm just used to it. I have HBO Max but I just I am so familiar watching it there. To see how this show has actually been well received and how they've been renewed already. Huge win all around. Cannot wait to hear about maybe some details about next season and just to hear everything about the show, man. Pff, yeah. Lock me in for it. Yeah, uh, another another one right in your wheelhouse, near and dear to your heart. Uh, Inside Injustice, making the hit games and comics. Oh, talk to me, Pat. Talk uh, to me. It says, an inside look at the creation of the best-selling Injustice games and comic books. So, who knows? Maybe this is just them talking about making the games and, and the very popular comics. Maybe this is where they announce a third one, which they're, I, I know there have been rumblings of for the, the last couple months and the last couple of years. But if there was ever a time they were going to do it at, at a panel exclusively about the property, would be a pretty good time to do it. At this whole property has been absolutely epic. Mm-hmm. The games are so well done. So well done. And the last I heard was May 2021 was supposed to be Injustice 3. Mm. Now, I haven't heard any more details. If somebody out in the ODPH Society knows, hit me up and let me know. Because I haven't been able to track anything down with it. But the comics have just been on point two, And... Everything about this whole franchise has just gone completely living up to the hype. Like, mm. I, like I say, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a more dynamic word to say about it, but I can't. Sure. It's just the epic stories that you like reading about. Tom Taylor has written some amazing runs in this comic, and you just get that big fight feel when you read this. Just the big event it is so well done. I can't recommend it enough. Mm. And like I say, if you haven't played the video game, you need to get started. And trust me, when Injustice 3 comes out, you'll probably see a lot of that on twitch.tv slash 607 podcast. I'm just saying. I'll just be camped on doing so that. So you all day. did perfect the game. Yeah, I mean, I was down. I, I should have gotten the tournament at New York Comic Con, but I, got, I know I got pulled away for a panel. Ah, I was so, makes sense. Yeah, I was so ready to do it. Yeah. Oh, but I cannot wait to watch this yeah. one. I, I hope they announce a release date. That's all I'm asking for this panel. Yeah. Give me something. Yep. Uh, next up, we've got a Superman and Lois panel. Uh, okay. Yeah. So this, uh, this of course, the upcoming new series uh, from CW in the Arrowverse. Uh, the panel description reads, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman and Lois. Join DC chief creative officer slash publisher Jim Lee in a conversation with executive producer slash showrunner Todd Helbing uh, and series star Tyler Hoechlin and Elizabeth Tulloch as they discuss the history of Superman from the comics to the screen, what fans can expect from the upcoming series, and the significance of the characters in the world today. 
Uh, and then it also says fans will be encouraged to follow along as Jim Lee shows the panelists how to draw the iconic Superman emblem Whoa. and then share their own versions. Uh, that should be real interesting to check out. Odds are Jim Lee will be doing his version while he's moderating this whole panel. Yeah. I've seen I, him do, I it. I've seen him do it before. We talk about one of the most intriguing shows of 2021, and this is definitely up there. Mm-hmm. When they announced Superman and Lois and spawning out of the DC Universe crossovers, this one had my attention because yeah. obviously it's a lot of Superman family on the CW. Nothing against the Supergirl show. Sure. But it's a lot of Superman property on the show yep. or on the network, rather. Yep. So to see where they're going to go with this show, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I really want to get a vibe of how they're going to do this and obviously deep diving into what makes Superman Superman. He's very iconic. He's Coach Duffy's favorite superhero. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to get him, hit him up at Coach Duffy 11 and out and talk Superman with him and talk all day. But to see how this portrayal of Superman is going to be resonating and obviously talking about the history of Superman and why Superman is so important. Mm-hmm. I mean, we kind of forget about that, of just he's truth, justice in the American way. And yeah. He's just always been the iconic Boy Scout hero. To see how this is going to be get portrayed on screen, I'm excited to see what the take is going to be. I want to get a vibe for the show. Sure, yeah. Is it going to be what we've seen before? They're going to go in a different direction. Like, I don't think they're going to go into injustice level by no, any means. God, I'm no. just going to point that not out for right season now. one at least. Hell no. But oh, can you only imagine. But that being said, I can't wait to see this. And Jim Lee drawing, uh-huh. sign me up. I mean, yeah. One of the greatest artists to ever do it in a comic form. Yeah. Enough said. Yeah. Uh, next up, you've got the Superman Man of Tomorrow panel. Of course, this is the upcoming uh, DC animated, animated film. Animated film. I, think, I guess it's like a reboot of sorts uh, for the animated universe. If you're not familiar with what's going on with that, uh, YouTube it. Uh, panel description reads, Daily Planet intern Clark Kent takes learning on the job to new extremes when Lobo and Parasite set their sights on Metropolis in Superman Man of Tomorrow. The 41st, holy crap, uh, 41st entry in the popular DC series uh, series of DC Universe movies. Join a lively discussion of the inner workings of bringing this Superman tale to animated life with Emmy and Golden Globe Award winner Darren Criss uh, from Glee, Brett Dalton from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Ryan Hurst uh, from Sons of Anarchy and The Walking Dead, and Ike Amati from Mass Effect 3, uh, alongside supervising producer Butch Lukic uh, from Constantine City of Demons, director Chris Palmer from Voltron Legacy Defender, and screenwriter Tim Sheardon from The Death of Superman. Uh, this one looks like it's actually it looks like it actually came out the other day uh, on physical. So I'm excited to check this one out. Yeah, this is kind of very intriguing because not only are they doing a panel, but they're looks also, like they're screening it. Yeah, they're also screening it too. Which I okay, I find this very interesting. Yeah, because they're running the same time, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I think the way this works is it's it one it's not like it was the last time around where it's panel panel panel. It's pretty much because all these, oh you can go in the room and watch it. Okay. All these start times are one o'clock, so it's pretty much this all goes live at one o'clock, and you can go wherever the hell you want. You know what? It took me a second to realize that that they're just going to do this on replay. Yeah, and it's going to be the one channel yeah. for each one. Yeah, okay. Yep. It's it's kind of like Netflix. It's like oh yeah, Netflix has got all of this running, and you just pick what you want and go. Because you know what? When I'm reading this, I'm thinking DC or I'm thinking Comic Con style, ah. and it's like okay, we're running once and then we'll just replay it and i'm just thinking like okay how are you going to do both at the same time and and go which i think will be kind of interesting because if you're going to watch the panel first and then come back to this Mm -hmm. i mean it's an interesting setup i would say i'm I'm surprised they're doing it back or the same time because it's almost like you get done with the panel and you should just go right over the world premiere oh yeah but for what they're doing with it and like i say as the synopsis goes it's a dawn of a new age of heroes and metropolis has just met its first but as daily planet intern clark kent 
working alongside reporter Lois Lane, secretly wields his alien powers of flight, super strength, and x-ray vision in the battle for good, even though there's greater trouble on the horizon following the budding hero as he engages in bloody battles with intergalactic bounty hunter Lobo and fights for his life to halt the attack of the power-hungry Parasite. Yeah, I mean, just given how the way uh, Justice League Dark uh, Apocalypse War went, it, it feels like... I, I think they're rebooting the animated universe, per se, and I think this is going to be the first entry uh, into that universe because yeah, Superman Red Sun came out, but that's like an alternate alternate universe type of thing. So I think this is kind of like their first foray into the new timeline, I guess you could say. Yeah, well, like I said, it's so weird they're doing it at the same time. Mm-hmm. It's so weird to me. I don't like I said. I, I I understand that they're just dropping everything at one, and that's how it's going to go. Yeah, but still, it's just like it's it's throwing me off a little bit. Sure. Uh, next up, uh, worth mentioning, especially given what happened in a uh, comic that released this week, uh, take a tour of DC's Death Metal Metalverse. Uh, it says, explore every corner of the horrifying landscape of Dark Knight's Death Metal, from Castle Bat and New Apocalypse to the Atomic Wastelands and beyond. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil anything, uh, because the issue that just came out for uh, Dark Knight's Death Metal uh, Trinity Crisis, I believe is what it's called, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's bonkers. Uh, and given what happens in that issue and kind of what they delve into, this panel is going to be real interesting to see. I think they deliberately timed that. What can you say about this storyline that hasn't already been said? It's bonkers. It's absolutely fucking epic. I'm uh-huh. sorry. You know how much of a fan I am of Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. Like I said, for me, I just have this circled on my calendar, and this is what I'm, I'm locked in for. Because where they're going to go with this and just trying to talk about everything going on. Like I said, I mean, they haven't been officially announced for the panel, but there's no way I can't see Snyder and Kapoor oh, sure skipping out be. on this. I'm sure they will be. But just to see how they're going to dig into this and just talk about the absolutely crazy-ass world that they've created. Yeah. Like I say, it's just very intriguing in that aspect. Mm -hmm. And just to see where they're going and if this is really it for Snyder and Capullo doing DC Comics, we'll have to wait and see. Because I know Scott's kind of going away. He's taking a step back. He's taking a step back to do some more independent stuff. Sure. And it's going to be spot-on stuff, too. So I wouldn't doubt Greg doing something with him there. Sure. And I I fully see them coming back to DC sooner than later. Like, that's just how it is. Sure. So much going on. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Uh, Then you also have uh, the Flash TV show panel uh, where it says executive producer Eric Wallace joins cast members Grant Gustin, Candace Patton, Danielle Panabaker, Carlos Valdez, Danielle Nicolette, Kayla Compton and Brandon McKnight to discuss all things Flash. Uh, it says Team Flash will break down both parts of season six and look ahead at what is to come with an exclusive trailer for season seven. Uh, and then you fans will also get an exclusive uh, a look at the exclusive black and white noir episode Kiss Kiss Breach Breach, uh, which will be available on the season six Blu-ray and DVD, which it looks like it is already out. So this is very. Interesting to hear about. Mm-hmm. I know I, inter- I use interesting a lot, but there's a lot that's interesting about fandom in general. But to get a little tease of what we're expecting for season seven, we're going to get an exclusive tra- trailer. Which right, which makes sense because while the other shows wrapped up their filming and such, The Flash was shut down uh, midway through. So they have some, I think they have some stuff that was filmed, just never made it into an episode. So there right. you go. So to see where the tempo is going to be for season seven, I think is going to be big. Yes. And it, and it has to be picking up some steam because I know we've been very cl- critical about the current storyline. Yeah. I want to see them finish strong. I want to see them dragging your feet. Yeah. Like you're the fastest man alive. This shouldn't be the slowest buildup ever. Mm-hmm. No, that's where I kind of have my take on it. And yeah. I just, I hope that we get an indication. Maybe we're going back to the rogues gallery Yeah, for season seven. Yeah. That's what I want to see with this. I would too. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing against the the current villains they have, but there's just not that dynamic threat. I don't feel. need a speedster every damn season. No, I don't. But he has arguably one of the greatest rogues galleries of all of comics. Why are we not utilizing him? Mm-hmm. Why? Yep, that's the question. Yep. Uh, next up, you have the Titans TV show panel. Where Titans are back, bitches. Yeah. Uh, the phrase that kicked off an explosive second season of Titans that culminated with the long-awaited emergence of Nightwing as their leader and the tragic death of one of their own. And as a mo- new mysterious threat looms, season three promises to be the biggest yet. Join executive producer Greg Walker and series star Brendan Thwaites, Anna Diop, Tegan Croft, Ryan Potter, Connor Leslie, uh, Karan Walters, Joshua Orpin, Damaris Lewis with Alan Richardson, Rich, Richson, and Minka Kelly for a preview of the new season, as well as the discussion on the quote top Titans moments of the first two seasons. Okay, so Titans in a nutshell is inconsistent. Okay, it's good when it's good. It's not so good when it's not. I will say their season finales always leave me unfulfilled. Uh-huh. That I think as a where they should end the story, they don't they botch the ending all the time, and where they come in for their season premiere, it seems like they're telling half the season finale there. Like it's for me, I need more out of them, and I really want to see the show succeed because when it first came out way back when mm-hmm. at New York Comic Con, we remember the panel of Infamy, yeah, or the the trailer of Infamy rather. Fuck Batman. Yeah, where it was like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, and then it was actually pretty good, and they did have some very good standout moments. And then they had some other ones that were not. And mm. season two was more focused on Deathstroke and following a lot of the classic storylines from the New Teen Titans run. But, however, they did botch up the ending of the, se- the season finale. Mm-hmm. I did not like the season finale. If you want to go back through the catalog of the UDPH, you can go hear me complain about it. Because I just felt that they definitely tried rushing too much. They didn't give... Deathstroke a proper ending to his story. Sure. And where they decided to pull the uh, tragic death, quote-unquote, if you really watch that episode, you can really say, well, why did that person get killed, Mm. and why did that person do what they did Mm. when you had the other person who could have done it and survived? I'm just leaving it there. But like I say, they have a lot of good story moments, and when they're good, they're good. i got to give the devils their due. Yeah. But I want to see some more of this, and I know the next year we're going to be Gotham City focused with the announcement from the uh, August 22nd fandom that Jason Todd will take over the Red Hood mantle. Right, right. Barbara Gordon is going to get introduced, and Jonathan Crane is going to be introduced. Yep. So I'm hoping we get maybe a little teaser announcement of who's playing who. Um, maybe. And let's go from there. So top 10 Titan moments, though. I have to. Th- I got to think about this one. So I definitely want to watch this, and I'll definitely recap that next week. So that all being said, Pad. We're going to be going from September 12th, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for where we are recording, mm-hmm. to Sunday, September 13th, 1 p.m. So everything's going to be on replay. Okay. This is the vibe I'm getting from this. So what, looking at all the panels we've talked about, what is jumping out at you? Like, this is my number one. I can't miss this. Um, Probably the two uh, Batman comic panels. You know, the Joker War, like we mentioned, is just absolutely bonkers. You know, I can't, I can't wait to hear what they say and what they tease with that because that's the one thing with panels about comics specifically. They love to tease stuff. They love to hint at stuff that's coming without telling you what's going on. So I got to imagine those two are going to be absolutely nuts. And then obviously all the stuff with the DC Arrowverse panels. I'm, I'm interested to get some tidbits and maybe some hints as to where they're going with their future seasons. Yeah, for me, I'm definitely excited about Doom Patrol. 
I definitely want to see where we're going. Maybe we can get a little sounders of, okay, what's happening, what's going to be the next direction. I definitely am excited for the CW shows. I think that we don't know what the new shows are going to bring, per se. Mm -hmm. And we also don't know about the shows coming back and what the vibe is going to be there. Because, obviously, how production had to stop Flash, probably the one that had the most cliffhanger ending, you know, asterisks by it. Mm -hmm. So how are they going to bounce back from that? There's so much going on. And like I say, looking at the how everything is written, it's going to go for 24 hours on loop. This is the vibe I'm getting about it. Because like how we had the Hall of Heroes, everything had a timestamp, and it was just in, in succession. Well, I, th- I think the way that the way I'm just reading is because everything that says 1 o'clock, I think it's going to be available for that long. Mm-hmm. So pretty much from 1 p.m. on Saturday to 1 p.m. on Sunday, it's like Netflix. You go in there, you find something that tickles your fancy, and you hit play, and, yep. you, and you watch it. And you have 24 hours to watch the whole thing. Yeah, so this is going to be something definitely worthwhile to check out. I don't know if it's going to surpass fandom date part one maybe because not. there was so much movie stuff going on yeah like you don't see a lot of movies thing going on here and it's not a knock on what they're presenting because this is a true digital comic-con mm-hmm. in its purest form yeah because you have comic news you have discussion groups you have a lot of fun things for fans to do cosplay is going to be involved you have the behind the scenes the insider verse that's going to be giving you everything that you need to know about if you really want to deep dive into everything like I said, from all the cosplay to everything that's in the fun verse, and they're talking about the you know animated Miles, which they have everything about the Six Flags uh, uh, characters and uh, rides there. There is so much that is going on for DC. This could be another big win, and I think that this is setting a blueprint for how to do a digital Comic Con. I know as we're recording, it was announced that the first wave of New York Comic Con panels was being announced. We haven't deep dived into that. We're going to talk about that next week. But for this weekend alone, DC fandom's got a lot of expectations to live up to. Can they pull it off again? Maybe. I think it maybe is a definite answer because it's going to be a different vibe. This is going to be the truest digital con you've gone to all year. And we're going to have a lot to talk about this weekend. And we are going to be doing another recap show on twitch.tv slash 607podcast Saturday night. So definitely join in that conversation on there. And join in the conversation with us right now. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. DC Fandom kicking off this weekend, September 12th. Are you attending and what panels do you want to see? Let's have that talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Well, hello there. I'm Brian Wayne, host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and I'm here to bring you the ultimate comic book podcast for readers and lovers and collectors of all levels. Whether you're trying to get caught up on last week's books or you're just looking to check out the latest interview with the latest creator, this is the podcast for you. So if you're looking for a comic book show that doesn't stray away from the topic and you're looking to get an insight from a true fan and lover of this industry then tune into the cheers to comics podcast three times a week as i brian wayne raise a glass to this wonderful wonderful industry that is comics cheers hi this is jimmy gazdick from crimson brethren and floodlands and you're listening to odph Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat kicks off with a little one-shots. Got a few things to talk about. Not as many as normal, but got a few things. Uh, firstly, we got some information and a, a confirmation from the folks over at Microsoft. Uh, they confirmed today that the Xbox Series X, the next uh, edition of the Xbox gaming console, uh, will release November 10th. Uh, that is for $499 U.S., 
check your own sites and your own listings for what it is over with you. Uh, and then the Xbox Series S, so that is the slightly smaller, slightly less to it uh, version, uh, will release the same date for $299. Pre-orders start September 22nd, so I know a lot of fans are excited about that. Yeah, I definitely am. I yeah. am an Xbox guy, so I definitely need to make a decision what I got to play. Sure. Um, I think I already know it, unfortunately, and um, we'll definitely be p- picking that up. Uh, the Xbox definitely has my interest here and sure. what they're enticing with it i know the box looks you know huge yeah but i actually don't mind it like it like i know a lot of people are complaining about the design for it but yeah i really don't like the uh the small one there sure that just looks sure. weird. So like yeah. too sleek yeah so more for that i won't even get into the technical specs of it because a i don't understand it and b honestly don't care you, you play what you want you enjoy what you want it was just basically the um s version i don't believe has a disc player something like that yeah, yeah. it's it's got a little a little more bells and whistles yeah. for for the one that's yeah. 500 bucks but yep. if you're gonna go out go out and do it yep no word from sony as of yet when they're releasing playstation 5 or the price on that but i would imagine that's coming very soon a lot of people figured it would be today since it's like the 20th or 25th anniversary of the playstation 1 yeah nothing as of uh this recording has happened yet so who knows uh moving on to some other video game news gotta give a quick brief i guess in progress review of uh the marvel's avengers game yeah uh got playing into that i believe i am ju- at 50 percent or just over 50 percent through the campaign okay i uh, gotta say the story is good i i enjoy the story it very much feels like a uh something out of a comic book you know it's a very interesting story as we you know from the trailer uh the avengers are in san francisco they're they're having a day which it's kind of, it's kind of like an open house type scenario where you're you're exploring I, you're exploring some of the stuff they got i know they show off there's 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 even kind of like borrowing from DC fandom. There's worlds. There's like a Tony Stark portion, and then there's a Thor version. You know, a Thor portion, and then there's a you know a portion of Captain America that reminds me a little bit from uh, Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, in the uh, museum. Uh, you know, so you start there and you play as Kamala Khan before she has uh, her powers. Yeah, and you go through exploring this, and then you know. Uh, tragedy i guess ensues in san francisco and you go from there i don't want to spoil it too much for those of you who haven't had a chance to get it yet but it's very good it's a little repetitive just because the places you go to fulfill the side missions are wash rinse repeat it's like the same maps over and over and over again Mm. just you might drop in at a different portion of it so that in, in its aspect is a little repetitive um i gotta say so far i've unlocked all of the characters uh, that are available thus far. Um, so that's Kamala, Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, uh, Hulk, Thor, Cap, Iron Man, and then Black Widow. Mm-hmm. My favorite so far probably has to be uh, Iron Man. Okay. I really like playing Iron Man. He's a lot of fun. Like I said, game's a lot of fun. Uh, Nolan, I wasn't sure they'd be able to ever replicate kind of the one-line quitty quippiness that they did with Robert Downey Jr. in the films. Mm-hmm. Nolan North is Iron, as Tony Stark. Holy shit! He pulls it off. He he does a great Tony Stark. It's you know great one liners. Uh, few complaints with the game. I mean, one they fixed today. One of my complaints was when you went to sweat because you can if you're going into a side mission or you know a side quest. I guess you could say you can choose which hero you want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's based off of whoever you have unlocked. If you just have you know two characters unlocked, you can only choose from the two. If you have the whole set, you can choose from the whole set. Up to today, when we record, if you went to switch. It would you'd put your little cursor over the character's icon and it'd give you some stats, and then you press the button. Uh, for me, it's X for Xbox. I believe it's A, 
and it would take a little bit before it switched and you'd get a loading screen. They've fixed that. Uh, okay. They, they've fixed that. that. That loading screen is no longer there. Uh, one of the other things I, I don't like is the repetitiveness of it where it, you know, it's a lot of, oh, go here and secure this facility. Go here, s- secure this terminal. Go here. Do it. It's, it, The side missions are very repetitive. Um, the other thing I don't, you know, I was kind of skeptical and a little, you know, nervous about the microtransactions in it. Just because microtransactions, they're hit or miss in a lot of games. A lot of bad, a little bit of good. Uh, thus far, it's bad in that you go to, so you go to the micro marketplace and you can buy skins, uh, emotes because it's a multiplayer game. You'd be able to, and it's nothing like dances or this or that. It's like a wave. It's like a pose. I know there's one on the marketplace right now where Iron Man stands there and he fireworks go off and he does the pose like he does in Iron Man too. Mm. You know, those are there, you know, you can get, I believe they're called nameplates. It's, it's what shows up if you're in a multiplayer session and you're okay. getting ready to go into a thing. You can buy one of those. You can buy skins, you know, the thing with the skins is you can unlock those in game. If you get a drop and you unlock it and you get lucky and you get the one you want, you can also, if they're available in the marketplace, go into the marketplace and buy them. Like I know there's one for cap that I really want because it is the, at least in my estimation and without looking at it side by side, it looks like the MCU costume. Okay. You know, it's the helmet, it's the red, white, and blue around the stomach area. It look, you know, short of having like the logo on the, on the arm, it looks like the MCU costume. And I saw it and I go, oh, that's awesome. There are like 30 different cap. There's a lot of different costumes for these characters. You know, I just unlocked one the other day with Iron Man that I think they call it Atmosphere. And he's in a blue looking spacesuit thing. You know, I was like, oh, I really want that costume, but I kind of want it. I guarantee I know I want it without leaving it to, you know, random numbers and chance. Hmm. So I went into the marketplace. It's it's 4,000, I don't know, I think they're called tokens or credits or something like that. Yeah. They're, it's 1,400 tokens, credits, whatever it is. I was like, all right, how do, uh, what do I got to do to get to- those token credits? Okay, I got to purchase them. For enough, I think it's like 2,000 tokens, credits, whatever they're called, it's $20. Okay. With, with, and, and then for, I believe it, for a little less, it's only like, 500 700 something real low so it's like wait a minute just to get one token or one enough tokens to buy because i was talking with a friend i was like you know what? i'm not going to spend a huge amount of microtransact money on these microtransactions but if there's a costume i like depending on the price of how much it is to get it i might do it not willing to shovel out 20 bucks just for a costume no that's a lot to ask for yeah i mean that was one of the hiccups i had when i was trying to debate if i want to get the standard version or mm-hmm. the enhanced one sure because all i could really tell the difference of was you got the obsidian pack sure and the obsidian nameplate and sure for like an extra 20 bucks and i'm like i like it but sure not. that and that's the thing is like you can you know the the listing in the marketplace is going to change every so often you know, so the guarantee to get them is only going to be there for a little while. But I just don't like the price threshold of twenty bucks for one skin. Yeah, that's it, a it, lot. It's to a ask. it's a little high, but the game is very good. It, it's a little repetitive, and for the folks, I know Coach Duffy was mad and angry about it, and I know others were. The PlayStation was getting Spider Man and Xbox One. Yeah, I'm fifty percent of the way through the campaign. Spider Man has not yet once shown up. In the campaign, I don't think he will. I think it's purely going to be a thing for the multiplayer where you just go through and you play missions and you level your character up. If you want to play a Spider-Man in the multiplayer portions that has nothing to do with the story, by all means, go ahead. I think that's how it's going to work. I haven't dug, uh, dug into that yet. But as I said, I'm 50% of the way through the portion. I've got the Avengers, quote-unquote, reassembled. Spider-Man has not shown up. 
I wouldn't mind if they put Miles Morales on the Xbox version, and then you Ooh, want to keep Peter Parker on the sure. PS4. Like, do that, because like, then you get both Spider-Man. Sure. And then, you know, if you want to make a DLC later, you can sure. work something out, sure. You know, like, for everybody's hoopla about, you know, Spider-Man went over, it's like, look, it's a game. It's a game. Don't, Xbox will come with something. Yeah. Be, you know, like I said, and I, and I don't doubt them doing Miles. Maybe. So, I, it's hard to say, though, because, again, Sony is making a PlayStation-exclusive game of Miles Morales, so... Yeah, that's true. Hard to say. I forget about that a lot. You know, it's just they'll, 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 you'll get Howard the Duck. <sighs> Why? <laughs> Why? God, there's so much video game news coming out that I honestly forget a lot that is coming out because, like I said, Tony Hawk came out too. Yep, it's been amazing. So I got a friend who's been playing that. Unsurprisingly, uh, he, he's a big skating fan. Said it's real good. Yeah. Uh, I know that the uh, soundtrack is causing issues with content creators. Yeah. Holy shit and shine all. Big one. You want to break that down a little bit? So there's a guy I follow on Twitter because he's a part of Rooster Teeth, uh, Jack Patello. Great guy. He does a lot of fundraising for the uh, Children's Hospital down in Austin, Texas every year. Um, he has his own Twitch channel. And like a lot of Twitch people on Twitch, they save their recordings and upload them to YouTube later. Mm. He went and streamed it last night and woke up this morning to, I want to say it was, uh, I want to say like 16 or 22 different copyright claims on the upload. All mo- all because on the uploads because of the music in the game. And in some instances it's, oh, you can't make any money off of the video. In a lot of instances, nobody can see it. Yeah, because one thing that I know that we had an issue with on uh, Twitch.tv slash 6 7 podcast is if you play a music song yep. and it's copywritten, yep. it will get blocked on the replay. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, that's one thing that um, – because yep. I, I think there was a TV that was going on in the background that somebody had. Sure. That, so, like, part of the audio got taken out. Sure. So, that being said, you just got to be very careful with that. Like I said, yeah. I would just turn the sound down and just talk over it as you're yeah. playing. Yeah, and that's one of the issues. And, a lot, and I know some people may be quick to jump on these bands and go, why are you doing this? Uh, but in a lot of instances, it's not, it's not them. It's not them. It's, yeah. it's the record companies. Yeah, it's just one thing that you just have to watch as you're playing music. And, yeah. You know. I mean, that's one of the things I think uh, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics avoided with, deliberately avoided with the Marvel game. Uh, because much in, I don't know if this was a thing in the comics, but at least in terms, I know with in the movies, Tony's a big rock, uh, classic rock fan. Yeah, you know, ACDC. Yeah. ACDC and whatnot. In the game, that is very much the same, that he is a classic rock fan, but in the two instances that I can think of offhand that classic rock has been played, it's not been anything I, I recognize. I think it's just something generic that they created for the game, knowing full well that if we put a, if we put these this music into the game, we're going to have to pay a, a buku amount of bucks for it, and a lot of people are going to get hit with a copyright claim. Yeah, so it's not really worth the, you know. No effort for that no so that's just saying if you're doing content creating we be hope real you, careful yeah just be real careful what you're posting on yeah. there musically wise because yeah. you don't want to get hit with that copyright and then you gotta take it down yeah uh switching over to some movie news uh we got finally 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 got a trailer for the upcoming film dune uh yeah so this is a the the new adaptation it's not it's not a sequel or a reboot of well i guess it's a reboot it's a reboot of the 1984 film yep now if you're not familiar with this the easiest way to describe Doom is it's Game of Thrones in outer space with less families involved. Sure. Yeah, it is a uh, adaptation of Frank Herbert's science fiction novel uh, about the son of a noble family entrusted with the protection of the most valuable asset and most vital element in the galaxy. Uh, of course, this movie is being directed by a gentleman by the name of Dennis Villanueva, who, if you have not heard of him, uh, he directed uh, some movies like Blade Runner 2049, okay. uh, Arrival, uh, and then Sicario. 
Yeah, the minute you mentioned about Blade uh, 2049, it looks it. Because yeah. the one thing I will say, if you've never seen the 1984 version, it's it has a cult-like following. Mm-hmm. Didn't light up the box office. It, it's, it is what it is for its time. You, sure. have to, you have to kind of put that in perspective. So if you really want to take a deep dive with a with an old-school movie, check it out and then hit us up on a hashtag ODPH about yeah. it. But as we saw the trailer, mm-hmm. that is the one thing that stuck out to me about this. This yeah. thing is visually impressive as all can be. Mm-hmm. And the cinematography for this, it, it looks like an epic. And, yeah. And you have that feel to it. So if you, sure. if you don't know the backstory you get enough of that to go on. Sure, yeah. I mean, the cinematography was done by a gentleman named Greg uh, Frazier, who is... Interestingly enough, uh, the director of photography for a certain movie called The Batman. Mm. Uh, he was also did some photography work for the Mandalorian TV series. Uh, he was also on Vice, Rogue One, a Star Wars story, Zero Dark Thirty, you know, just to name a few. He's been on a whole bunch of stuff. It, you know, so it, the, the cinematography in this is nothing short of astounding. And the cast list, holy good God almighty. Stacked. Uh-huh. So you have uh, Rebecca Ferguson is in the film, Zendaya, uh, Jason Momoa. Timothy Chalamet, Josh Brolin. That Josh Brolin. Uh huh. Dave Batista, uh, Oscar Isaac, Stellan Skarsgård, ha- Javier Bardem, you know, just to name a few. It is an absolutely stacked cast. It looks amazing. I know nothing about the story other than uh, people are real excited for it. Well, the question is going to be how do you translate that onto film? Like mm-hmm. I said, especially you're doing a remake, and a lot of people remember the 84 version. If you remember movies that far back, I don't know how this is going to vibe, but I just know that looking at it, it looks visually impressive. It all mm-hmm. blazes. They'll say that the end shot of the trailer alone, like the trailer is, is impressive enough alone, and I'm going, holy crap, a lot. But like at the end of the trailer, the last shot of the trailer, I went, holy shit. Yeah, no, it definitely has it, that feel. It, it, the, the special effect that they have, because I, I know that's not a practical effect, the special effect they have at the end of the trailer is probably the the most impressive effect I've seen in quite some time. Oh, absolutely. You can't even doubt that fact. So it's going to be something worth checking out when it comes out. We'll talk a little yeah. bit more about it. Yeah, and say IMDb currently uh, says it's in post-production and is expected December 18th of this year. However, uh, it, well, it should be noted that in the trailer, it does not give a firm date. It just says only in theaters. Yeah, so it, well, it has to go to theaters. This thing looks too epic not to. Yeah. Like I said, the cinematography yeah. looks fantastic. The story could be absolute garbage, though. I mean, it's just one thing that you don't know based yeah. on the trailer. Yeah. But I am impressed with what I've seen so oh, far. Oh, I, so, I am too. So definitely keep it on your radar as it comes out. I know we'll talk about it a little yeah. more as yeah. the time goes on. Yeah. So stay tuned for that. Yep. So for my one shots, you know I want to talk The Boys. Mm-hmm. Returning to Amazon Prime, three episodes this past week. Holy F, did they ever live up to the hype. I am going to be talking spoilers. You have been forewarned, because here we go. The team is back. Carl Urban playing Billy Butcher. Jack Quaid playing Huey Campbell. Anthony Starr playing the one and only Homelander, one of the biggest a-holes in all of comics TV history. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aaron Moriarty is back as playing Starlight. Jesse T. Usher is back playing A-Train, who is their flashlight character. Laz Alonzo is back as Marvin Milk, a.k.a. Mother's Milk. Chase Crawford is back as The Deep. And Karen Fukara is playing uh, Kimiko. Mm-hmm. And the list goes on and on about who is returning to. Uh, Tomer Kaplan is playing Frenchie again. So the boys are back, and like I say, they're in trouble because they're currently hiding because obviously they're being framed for the murder of Madeline Stilwell. Uh, which Butcher is prime suspect number one. But everybody's in hiding right now, and the story is based around, okay, what is Vault Industries doing 
to hamper this threat and continue their stranglehold. Mm -hmm. Because where we leave off, Homelander made the big play and is kind of thinking that he's in charge, but we find out that he is not. Mm. And we see that how he's trying to position himself as being the head person at Voight is really not panning out because the actions that he and uh, Madeline Stillwater were playing last year are coming back to haunt them. And they now have one very big opposition. Stan Edgar, played by the one and only Giancarlo Esposito. Busy man these days. Yep, who is the CEO of Vought International and was Madeline Stillwell's boss. Mm-hmm. Is not backing down and is basically trying to do the damage control from what Homelander and company did last year. So this is going to be the power play, and in fact, he makes one very big move, and he adds Stormfront to the 7, because the 7 is supposed to be the parody of the Justice League. And what he gets is an absolutely bat blank crazy person okay. uh, played by Aya Cash, who you only think you can tell is is extremely powerful, but there is a very, very big dark side to her mm. that has not been coming to light yet, and I don't want to spoil that just yet. But we get a small taste of it by the end of episode three. Mm-hmm. So where they're trying to replace the Deep, who is definitely gone off um, into his own personal exile, mm-hmm. uh, winds up getting uh, recruited into the Church of the Collective, who basically is trying to brainwash him into re- following their lead and basically get him back into the graces of the Seven. Okay. I think it's going to play out. This is where it kind of gets really interesting. His storyline thus far has been really crazy because you see him completely down and out and how he's getting recruiting and finding this new kind of religion involved. And during this, he gets drugged by the church. And he starts hallucinating about his gills that are in his stomach. Uh-huh. Who voices those, Pat? Uh, I don't know. Patton Oswald. Oh, okay. So, enough said there. It's like another busy individual these days. Yes. So, he's definitely making his rounds. And how... The deep storyline is playing out is absolutely fantastic. I got to say that. But the major focus thus far has been two fronts. No pun intended with Stormfront. Mm -hmm. You have the saga going on with Huey and Starlight, the Romeo and Juliet going on here, and Starlight's actions at the end of last season where she stopped A-Train from killing Huey is now coming back to haunt her because she now is trying to do whatever she can to take down the Seven without tipping off Homelander because Homelander is not afraid to kill anybody that steps in his way. And during this, she winds up blackmailing somebody to get Compound V and thus exposes the secret of the Seven. Mm-hmm. That superheroes are not born, they are made with a compound that is funded by Vought Industries. Which, I will say this, Stan Edgar is playing the best damage control, and it's just so how Giancarlo Esposito is playing this character. is just You can see he's just three steps ahead of everybody. As, as he naturally should be, because he just plays amazing characters. But Edgar is just completely steering Vought International into the future and just basically doing as much damage control as he can. During this time, though, the storyline does shift to what the boys are trying to do and dealing with Homelander, who is distracted at the same time because now he is trying to make his son into a superhero, the mm. one that was rumored uh, you know, at the end of last season. We now find out his son has powers, and basically, Homelander is obsessed with trying to make him into the next Homelander. How this is playing out is definitely causing some friction with everybody else because he's not a part of the Seven as much. And then when they have to go track down a renegade superhero or super terrorist, as he's being labeled, it's the younger brother of Kimiko, who has telekinetic abilities 
And basically, as he is trying to get brought in by the boys, they wind up running into Stormfront, who winds up slaughtering an entire apartment complex while killing Kenji. And then basically, it's all covered up by Vaught Industries and explaining, you know, how they stopped a super terrorist. And she's trying to push her own dark agenda to. It has just been a lot of amazing acting going on, too. We haven't seen too much of Carl Urban coming back, though. He did return to the team and just completely is eating up scenery and just the charismatic Billy Butcher taking over and just doing whatever he can to make Anthony Starr's Homelander's life miserable. It has been fantastic thus far, and this, the slow plot lines they've been building, especially with Starlight and A-Train, who now is being blackmailed to working with her because she will reveal about how he murdered Popclaw, is just delving into the boys, just following, just reading like the pages from the comic book. They're not pulling any punches. It's still as violent and bloody as ever. Mm-hmm. They're definitely going to push some envelopes this season. And as it's going to progress onward, we're definitely going to have to watch where each character is progressing because you're seeing Huey finally starting to break under all the pressure, which he's never been the strongest character to begin with. But now under Butcher's return, he's definitely getting pushed to his limit. You're seeing the rest of the boys trying to adapt and say, how are we going to stay alive and continue doing what we do? You're also seeing how Homelander is trying to make his power play now that Stillwell is gone, but Stanger is right in his way. And is not blinking. Mm. And basically he says, you can be replaced. Because let's face it, Vought Industry or Vought International makes the seven. The seven don't make Vought Industries. It's such a well-played act. Top to bottom. You definitely need to check it out on Amazon Prime. They're going to be dropping new episodes every Friday. The first three are out now. Definitely binge watch it. Definitely hit me up on hashtag ODPH. What did you think about it? It's been phenomenal thus far. So I don't want to spoil too much since it just came out, but it's definitely worth binge-watching this weekend. And then, like I said, a new episode drops Friday, so definitely check that out. Heading over to the comic book shops, well, we got some definite pickup issues at the store, like we always do. Mm -hmm. Marauders 12 is dropping. The Fallout from Empire is coming, so the first book with that is The Fantastic Four. So we've been following that storyline. There's a lot going on there. X-Force is out. It's a heavy X-Men week, but you you know I do love that franchise. And then flipping over to DC Comics, we were talking about Dark Metal. Mm-hmm. How good. How's Dark Metal? It's Death Metal. Death Metal. God, I get so wound up because I'm reading about Dark Knight's Death Metal, Trinity Crisis number one. Yeah, I read it, and I'm not going to lie. I won't spoil it. I I had to watch a video to understand what the hell I just read. Yeah. It, it deals with a lot, and I will say, just as a teaser, it deals with, uh, it gives you a new and different perspective on three of the of the most seminal moments in DC comics history. Yeah. Scott Snyder is weaving a masterpiece here. And there should be a hint in the title, seeing as it has crisis in the title. Yeah. So without doing any spoilers, you definitely have to head over to your comic book shops and go check it out and definitely check out a lot of the great comic podcasts that you hear here on the ODPH. We do plug them a lot, you know, comic book keepers, Wednesday poll list. And of course, cheers to comics. So many great podcasts you definitely need to go hear about when you're done hearing our newest episodes here on the ODPH. So that all being said, the music you heard on this episode is that of Shout at the Robots, 
who have got a lot of big things in store, especially October 3rd, DMG-a-thon. More news coming out about that on the Hashtag 607 Podcast Network, so stay tuned for that. But where do you find out about everything going on with Shout Pad? Where? Uh, OchoDuroParlayHour.com. Right on. You can find out about them, Floodlands, Second Suitor, Fair City Fire, and all the great bands you hear on the show. You can also check out the ODPH Directory, which has all the breaking news with Excite Wrestling, Tom from Off the Cuff Gaming, who Pad is still not accepting his apology for Ratchet and Clank and the egregious comments he made. Egregious. Egregious indeed. You can also find organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and voter registration. And you can find the Pod Chaser list for all the amazing pod groups we are in. So shout out to our fellow colleagues in Pod Nation. Shout out to the Legion of Independent Podcast. Shout out to Alternate Reality Radio. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And shout out to hashtag 607 Podcast. What up to everybody over at 8122 Productions? Shout out to Mike C. Shout out to Rich Ron and hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter pad. Oh boy. Hasn't been thrown off yet. And why, you ask? Why do we keep saying that every week? Well, head on over to patreon.com slash 8122productions. You can hear everything that is unedited from Diesel. And then you'll be like, okay, I finally get what Ken is talking about each and every week. $1 gets you in the door, $3 gets you a comfy seat at the table. All of that and so much more at ochoduroparleyhour.com. That's all we got for this week. For the one and only Padawan J. 105 days, still no HBO Max app on Roku or Amazon Fire. Uh, 56 days, still no Peacock app on Roku or Amazon Fire. Pat is not playing around those stats, folks. He is not playing, so definitely get familiar. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. See you next time. (laughs) 